first of all, it's an honor to be here to speak with you guys this morning. And I felt led to share on authority this morning. And so I thought I'd kick us, up with a, kick us off with a funny, couple of funny little anecdotes to start us off. An elderly lady returned home from a church service to find an intruder in the process of ransacking her house. Stop, she yelled. Acts 2.38, which says repent. The burglar stopped dead while the elderly lady called the police. As he handcuffed the burglar, the officer asked, how come you just stood there? All the lady did was quote a Bible verse. A Bible verse, the, thir- the thief replied. She said she had an axe and two thirty-eights. <laughs> a drug enforcement agency officer stopped at a cattle ranch in western Manitoba and talked with the old rancher. He told the rancher, I need to inspect your ranch for illegally grown drugs. The rancher said, okay, but whatever you do, don't go in that field over there, as he pointed it out. The DEA officer verbally exploded, saying, Mister, I have the authority of the federal government, government with me. Reaching into his rear pants pocket, he removed his badge and proudly displayed it to the rancher. See this badge? This badge means I am allowed to go wherever I wish on any land. No questions asked. No answers given. Have I made myself clear? Do you understand? The rancher, I'm sorry, apologized and went about his chores. A short time later, the old rancher heard loud screams, looked up and saw the DEA officer running for his life, being chased by the rancher's biggest, nastiest 2,000-pound bull. With every step, the bull was gaining ground on the officer, and it seemed he'd surely be gored before he reached safety. The officer was clearly terrified. The rancher threw down his tools, ran to the fence, and yelled at the top of his lungs, Your badge! Show him your badge! On that note, let's pray. (laughs) Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you that you speak. I pray whatever words are from you this morning, they will be rooted deeply. And whatever words are just from me, they will fall away. Would you be honored this morning in Jesus' name? So I've got Adam as my partner this morning. Darian put together a PowerPoint. This is a big deal. This is cutting edge, okay? Darian usually doesn't do PowerPoint, so if it falls apart, well, it's okay. So a couple, few pictures we're going to show up for authority. We're going to bring up this first picture, Adam. Hopefully. Click. See, it worked before when we were at the, there it is. Okay, go back. There we go. Youth pastor trying to quiet down the youth group. As many of you know, I'm the youth pastor here at Calvary. This picture is actually quite accurate. <laughs> these are, for those of you who don't know, these are raptor dinosaurs that kill people instantly. But this guy here, he's a trainer. He's developed relationship with the, these raptors, and he's holding them at bay. Uh, because of that relationship, he's developed an authority with these raptors, and they're, they're on the edge. They want to kill him, but they're like, we know this guy. Mm. This is actually quite accurate to a youth night. We trust you, we're not sure, we're ready to attack, but we'll listen to what you say all kind of at the same time. That's some good advertising. We love the youth. We love the youth. Next picture. This is some new authority we're going to bring in here at Calvary. You may have heard of Central Intelligence coming our way this fall. But anyways, we can, we can go to the next screen, Adam. We'll turn the corner from a little humor to more serious. So I felt led to lead us this morning in in, in teaching about authority. And having Darian Brown come to you this morning and speak about authority, 
is analogous to an alcoholic speaking at an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. For those of you who don't know, most times at the start of an AA meeting, it goes like this. Someone who's the speaker gets up and says, Hello, my name is John Smith, and I'm an alcoholic. And the whole group responds and says, Hello, John. So this morning, I come to you and say, Good morning, Calvary Chapel. I'm a recovering rebel. So what you didn't know, I kind of tricked you guys there. And you guys responding and saying hello, Darian, back, you're actually admitting that you're fellow rebels as well. <laughs> and it's true. It's not an accusation. It's not an indictment. But we are all rebels. We all sit here this morning in rebellion to God's word. Rebellion is what we call what? Sin. And we're all in sin. We live in a fallen world, so we're all rebels. And I, more than many of you, am a recovering rebel. So authority, we look at the word authority, what's the root word? Well, the root is author. Someone who writes a book has ownership over that book. And we hope when someone writes a book that they're actually an authority on that subject. It's not always the case, but it's what we hope for. Someone who has authority has rightful ownership. But we've got a problem. We don't look at authority the way God looks at authority. We've fallen away and we're in rebellion to God's word. We all sit here this morning. And I know that doesn't seem, well, Darian, that's not very encouraging. But if you stay with me, we'll unpack this this morning. And see that even though we go through a journey of being in rebellion, when we come to know God's word, we pass through into a time of blessing if we submit to the Lord. So how did we get here? We have to ask the question, how did we get to this place of rebellion? And if we look back to Genesis 3, we have that up on the screen. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of the tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Did God really say? This is where it all starts. This is our main message. In fact, I could literally stop right now, sit down, and Greg, you guys, and the team can go up and start leading worship, and we could just stop there. It all hinges right here. Did God really say? That's where Satan started his first attack on people. When he first, ever, first time he ever came and started to kind of question, he questioned God's authority. He questioned the truth of his words. Satan could have came in and said, this garden that God made for you, it's, it's kind of small, should be bigger, should be warmer. You guys are kind of short. Shouldn't you be taller? Shouldn't you be stronger? Shouldn't you be better looking? That's not how he attacked. He came in and said, did God really say that? I don't think he did. And he twisted God's words. If we look at verse 5, Satan attacks God's character. You, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God. Is God holding something back? God doesn't want us to be like him. God's, God's holding out on us. Satan's twisting his words. He's twisting God's authority and the truth of his words. And we run into trouble. This is where we run into trouble. When we don't know God's words and we don't know where his authority lies, we run into trouble, just as Adam and Eve did. Not only that, we run into trouble when we don't realize where God has put authority in us and we abdicate our authority. And we all do it. We abdicate our authority in many areas all the time. And when we do that, we're in rebellion and trouble follows. 
the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. He'd put Adam in control. He'd given him authority of the garden. God was still here, Adam here, but he had given authority to Adam and Eve, and they abdicated it. When Satan stepped in and said, did God really say? It, the Bible tells us, everyone, we can all go like this, and everyone go like this. Eve. You all do it. Eve. That's how we can respond. If she had to just... But the Bible tells us, and then she gave the fruit to Adam, who was with her. He was right there. Adam should have stepped in. If you guys have ever watched the Toronto Raptors game, and someone goes up for a shot from the other team, and the guy blocks the short shot, the announcer says, get that garbage out of here. That's a blocked shot. That's what Adam should have done. He should have stepped up and said, that's exactly, in fact, that's exactly what God said. Get that garbage out of here, right? That's what Jesus did when he was tempted by Satan in the desert. And Satan's tempting about turning rocks into bread and and jumping off and fall, the angels will help you down. Jesus responded with scripture. Jesus said, get that garbage out of here. That's how Adam and Eve should have responded. And that's how we want to respond. So there's three main areas that I've struggled with authority in my life. And so this morning I thought we'd kind of do a, go through a testimony of how God mercifully showed me the truth and the error of my ways. And I think these are areas that you all can struggle in as well. And of course, this is not an exhaustive list. There's many areas where we can struggle. But I thought I'd share my journey and hopefully that will encourage us all and bring some truth. When we struggle with authority, we can go through a bit of a, a cycle where we don't know God's truth and we're in rebellion. And when we're in rebellion, we step out from underneath God's protection, just like Adam and Eve. They were under his protection in the garden, but they rebelled, and now they're out from underneath his protection. That's what we call the curse. But thankfully, we serve a merciful God. Even though we're in a state of rebellion, he still has mercy on us. And then eventually, when hopefully we do line up with God's word, and his word becomes in our heart and becomes truth to us, there's a time of blessing. So the first area of authority or, uh, that I struggled with was in our worldly leaders. And that could be anyone from prime minister to teachers to, to policemen and so on. That was one of my biggest struggles. So Darian was in a phase of rebellion. And looking back, I can remember grade 7, grade 8, I'd walk into school in the morning, and I, we either started at 8 or 9 o'clock, I don't remember, but it doesn't matter. All the clocks in the school moved at the same time. Every minute hand, hand in the hallway in the class went like this. A little half click back and a click forward every minute. So the clock would go click, 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 click. So I would stand just outside our, te- our homeroom class, right like this, outside, and look at the clock, and it would be 7.59, and it would go click, and I'd step through, and it would go click, and the buzzer would go every morning. And it drove my teacher crazy. Darian, you're late. No, I'm not. I stepped through just before the buzzer. <clears throat> Next morning, there's Darian standing right there. Click, click, zzz, you're late. No, I stepped through just in time. Not macro rebellion, but micro rebellion. I wasn't stealing cars, doing drugs, that kind of stuff, but rebellion, nonetheless, it was in here. Fast forward a few years to kind of the end of high school, after high school. We used to go to Little Caesars restaurant and hang out quite often, probably every day, and, uh, <laughs> or most days. And a friend of mine said these words, hey, we should go throw snowballs at cars tonight. This is one of those moments where knowing God's truth would have been really good. And I responded with, instead of saying, get that garbage out of here, <laughs> I said, that sounds like a good idea. That sounds like fun. 
And for the next two or three years, I could tell many stories of how we terrorized many people with snowballs and water balloons and all kinds of stuff to the point where we got chased by the police. Yes, your present youth pastor was on Crime Stoppers. <laughs> the police were trying to get these two punks and they couldn't catch us. But I was in a state of rebellion. So when we're in a state of rebellion, what happens? We open ourselves up to the curse. And fast forward a little bit further than that, I was like, everything that kind of was worldly, I was like this. Or worldly leadership, I should say. Well, you should have insurance on your car. Why would I want to have insurance on my car? That's a scam. They make you pay all this money and you don't... No, I'm not paying insurance. That's stupid. Get a parking ticket? I'm not paying that. That's a waste of money. That was how Darian lived. So I go get invited to my friend's engagement party. And I go to get in my car to drive to the party, and I have a flat tire in my car. So rather than take that 15 minutes, half an hour to change the tire, I owned two cars at that time. I said, well, I'll just hop in my other car. So I go to my other car, but wait a minute. That car's not insured. Nah, doesn't matter. What's going to happen? Insurance is a waste of time. Drive home from the party, pull up to a stop sign at a big four-lane highway, and I look to my left, and I see headlights right here. And a car crashes into my driver's side door doing about 80 kilometers an hour. And long story short, it turned my 78 Impala, which was a sweet car. I love old Impalas. If you're ever like, we want to bless Darian with a car, you could buy me a late 70s, early 80s Impala. But anyways, it proceeded to turn my Impala into a U, which if you know those cars, that's hard to do. And my friend was ahead of me in his car, and he saw it. He saw my car fly through the air. And his girlfriend said, I'm not even going to the car. Like, he is dead. I'm not even going. And I remember it getting dark. It hit me so hard, I flew across to the other side of the car, hit the other side, the inside of the door so hard that my shoulder dented the door. I hit it so hard. Broken ribs, bruised lungs, swollen spleen, and it all got dark. And it, just like in the movies, you see it get dark, and I was like, this is it. I'm dying. I'm dead now. And obviously I'm here this morning, so we know that I, I survived. But that was God's mercy. In the midst of rebellion, God has mercy on us. And that's amazing. I should not be here this morning. But God uses these moments to get our attention. He's knocking, saying, Darian, are you listening? I was not listening. But he knocks, and he's merciful. Fortunately, I have, in the future, years after that, I had godly people around me starting to share God's truth with me, which slowly, because my head is pretty thick, but slowly penetrated my mind and penetrated my heart to where I started to know God's truth. And there was one Dave Kaler who noticed, this guy has a problem. You remember that? <laughs> There's an issue here. And I'm sure at that time he said, Darian's going to get up and preach about this one day. I don't know, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> this guy, but that's what we need. We need God people, godly people in our life that we share our life with that can notice and point this stuff out. So let's look at that verse, Adam. Or was there a picture of a book? Or was it the verse? Yeah. So just press pause here. Dave gave me this book. You can hold there for a sec. Dave gave me this book in around 2008, driving to a youth conference in Saskatchewan, sitting on a bus, read this book. And this book, more than any other book, besides the Bible, of course, changed my life, which took me to this next verse. It led me to this verse. Romans 13. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore... Whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. Sound familiar? 
for rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one in who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. This blew my fuses. This was not how Darian Brown thought. This was totally new. All authority comes from God. And of course, we can start to get into conversations about, well, what about Hitler and all that kind of stuff. Godly authority is put there by God, and we are to submit. Worldly authority is put there by God. But that's not the way the world thinks. We think, hey, I'm number one. We've got to look out for number one, and that's the way Darian thought. But slowly, and thanks, thankfully to God, thankful to God's mercy, these truths started to slowly penetrate my mind and penetrate to my heart, to where I was like, yes, I'm not number one. God is number one, and all authority comes from him. As we see in this kind of pattern, when we line up with God's word through his mercy, we enter a time of blessing. So for me, that time of blessing of knowing his truth was no more parking tickets. If you're not supposed to park there, don't park there. If the speed says 100, do 100. It's not rocket science, but sometimes we make it out to be. Or at least I did. Which led to living in a time of peace. If you always have creditors kind of chasing after you, and you're always worried about where are the police and all these things, that's not a way to live. You're always kind of like this. You always have that kind of heaviness in your heart. But when we line up with God's words, when I lined up, we had peace. I had peace. So a second area that we can struggle, and definitely I struggled, was God's authority in our finances. This is a big deal. Darian's wrong thinking, Darian's stage of rebellion sounded like this. My money is exactly that. It's my money. Right? And that's where Satan came in. Did God really say? Did God really say that everything is his? No, it's my money, so I'm going to do what I want. Right? Which led to, of course, the curse. Darian's in rebellion, so I'm stepping out from underneath God's protection. That's what happens as a result of rebellion. So what happens when we treat our money as if it's ours? Guess what? You have no money. You go broke. Because I wasted money on so many things. Oh, did I waste money. For those who knew me in my teens and my 20s, and Brendan knows this and some other people, man, did I waste money. Eating out. Not that eating out is evil, but eating out all the time. The biggest meals, desserts, all the stuff. Parking tickets, speeding tickets, just throwing money out the door. The coolest t-shirts. Oh man, did I like the coolest t-shirt. Did you see that new Star Wars t-shirt where it's got the guy on the front? Oh, that one glows in the dark. I bought this Star Wars t-shirt with the stormtrooper and I, I threw it on my floor and went to bed and all of a sudden I woke up around two in the morning. What's glowing in my bedroom? <laughs> it glows in the dark. It's a glow in the dark Star, Star Wars t-shirt. Oh, that's so cool. Wasted money. T-shirts, of course, aren't evil, but man, did I waste money because it was my money. But thankfully, we serve a merciful God. In the midst of that awful rebellion, you know, if rebellion was a physical ailment that manifested itself in boils like uh, leprosy or warts or something, I would have looked hideous. And sometimes you think it would be good if it actually worked that way because you'd see people walking by, oh, authority. Authority issue in that guy. You would have saw Darian walking around going, dude, you look hideous. You have an issue. <laughs> but it doesn't work that way. But it comes out of us. People see it. So thankfully, we serve a merciful God. And slowly, through having godly people surround me, 
surrounding me and sharing the truth of God with me slowly penetrated my mind and my heart, which led to a renewed mind. 2004-2005, we joined a finance course with Jake and Marianne in their basement. We just started working at Co-op and started to learn some of these truths. And there's a picture of a book that we studied. If you're sitting here this morning and finances are a struggle for you or you just feel like, ah, I feel like there's more I want to learn, I highly recommend this book. It can really change your mindset to see that everything is from God. It's all His. So out of this book that we read at that finance course, there's a verse that we were led to. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and the earth and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to yours, to you, strength to all, rather. Everything in the heavens and earth is yours, O Lord. Remember we had to memorize these verses in the finance course, right? Uh, Greg, Michelle, you were there, right, and a few others. And I remember taking this verse and sticking it different places to memorize it, and it slowly penetrated my mind and my heart. Everything is the Lord's. My money is actually not my money, it's the Lord's. That doesn't make sense. So then when we come to church and it comes to tithing and comes to different things like giving away to different things, totally changes us and frees us up to be like, this is actually the Lord's money. I just pray about this and then respond. Is he asking me to give this away, to keep it, whatever that looks like? And of course, even though we all know that even though we know these truths, it doesn't mean we always get it right. We still make financial mistakes, but we have that heart, that mindset. So my mind was renewed. It was changed. And as Brenda and I moved forward out of that finance course, our finances changed. There was one moment in the finance course where we had to break down your whole uh, net worth. You know, you, debt and all these kind of things broke it all down. We came down to 9000 bucks, <laughs> And we were like, yeah, 4500 each, high five. So if you're sitting here this morning and your net worth is less than 9000 don't feel bad. But we just in that moment were like, wow, okay, we have some work to do. But it was great to just start to learn some of God's truth. God's truth and had a renewed mind. And once we have a renewed mind and we come to know God's truth, we enter into the phase of blessing. We're actually blessed. And for us, it was a time where, wow, we can maybe bless others now financially because we're free to know this is actually God's money. There were times here where maybe somebody gave us a $200 gift card for Sobeys. But any time someone gives us something and we know it's actually from the Lord, we can stop and pray, Lord, is this for us? Or are we actually supposed to give this away? And there'd be times where maybe someone blessed us with something and we would pray, Lord, is this for us? And the Lord would say, yeah, this was a gift for you. Just keep it. And other times, no, give some of it away. Give 10% away. Give it all away. It's not ours. It's the Lord's. And we were able to then in turn bless other people. Now, just because we became more aware of God's truths and they began to penetrate our heart doesn't mean that in finances, doesn't mean that Brenda and I are now rich. We both have to go to work every day to support our family. But there is a freedom and a peace that came where there used to be strife by knowing God's truth. The third area that we can struggle, and Darian Brown definitely struggled, was the area of authority with our employers. Maybe I struggle with this the most. The most. I struggle with them all. And I think in our world today, we really don't have a good view of what it is to, to see God's authority in our employers. 
So Darian Brown was in full-on rebellion. Again, if it was physical, you would have saw it all over me when I went to work every day. It would have showed itself. I had wrong thinking. You would have heard Darian say words like, I'll submit to the boss if I agree with what he says. Do you remember that, Dave? Oh, Darian. Poor kid. I'll submit to my boss if I agree with what he's doing. Or, the only reason I go to work is for a paycheck. You would have heard me say those words. Because, isn't that why you go to work? I just, I need some money. Wrong thinking. So I was in full-on rebellion to God's word when it came to going to work and working for my employer as God called us to. So anytime we're in rebellion, guess what comes next? We come out from underneath God's protection. What we call, I call the curse, just like Adam and Eve. And my curse looked like this. I went from job to job to job. Never holding down a job, never working somewhere very long because it was always like, the boss is kind of stupid. I don't agree with what he does. Uh, this place is lame. I'm kind of bored. I'll go work over here. Then you go work there for a while and be like, I can't believe the way they run the warehouse and they do this. That's, nah. To the point one time I was working at a restaurant in a job that I actually really enjoyed as a waiter. Loved waitering. Working at this job. It's full on supper hour. And I would notice that the managers, even though we were swamped with customers and just running our feet off, the managers would kind of sit off to the side and just have coffee and joke and be like, shouldn't they be? They should be on the floor helping us. That's what managers do. And I get all upset. So one day I just walked out in the middle of a supper shift. Just, I'm out of here. Went to the locker room, took off my shirt. And one of the other staff come in, Darian, are you sure you want to do this? I'm like, yeah, I don't want to be here. And two or three days later, sitting at home, oh, you idiot. So stupid. Just go to work, finish your shift. And yeah, maybe after talk to the manager about your frustrations. But I walked out. So what does that lead to when we don't have peace in our job? Our finances suffer. No money. Broke. Can't afford to buy gum. Have you ever been in a place where you can't afford to buy gum? That's not fun. I've been there. Now, it's important to say through this message that if you have hard times in your life, and we all do, it doesn't necessarily mean there's sin. So just a little press pause there. Sometimes just we live in a fallen world and things happen. But it's great to ask the question when we do struggle, Lord, are you speaking? Do I have an area of sin here in my rebellion against your authority? It's good to ask the question. So in that midst, I began to start to work at co-op, got hired by Jake as he was the general manager back then. But I didn't have peace at work. So there was Jake, but then I had an immediate boss, my day-to-day boss, who I used to work with, and there was no peace. We had no peace in our relationship. It was, there was strife, it was stressful, there was no peace with my fellow employees because they could see Darian's not all in. He doesn't come to work and put in a full day's work. Even my attitudes, the way I would talk, they could see it. And it just, it was, this, you won't find this word in the dictionary, dictionary but there was, eh, right? You ever that feeling of just, eh? That's how it was at co-op for me. There was, eh. But thankfully, we serve a merciful God that in the midst of my rebellion, he comes along, surrounds us with godly people, and they start to speak his truths to us. And slowly, as thick as my head was, and as hard as my heart was, they began to penetrate. And it led me to this verse. We can bring that up. Colossians 3. Whatever you do, work heartily, as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord. This is not the way Darian Brown thought. This blew my fuses. This was all new. 
I went to work because I went to work. And most jobs I went to, I hated. There was a time delivering fuel. I remember Brenda coming with me on the truck before we had kids and we're out late at night and Jake knows the deal. You're out 11, 12 at night going from farm to farm. And I said these words, I hate this job. I hate it so much. I hate it. It's terrible. And I remember Brenda, that look on her face of just, this is awkward. This is not fun. I hate this job. Was the issue the job? Yeah, delivering fuel late 11 to 12 at night when you start at 6 in the 7 in the morning. That can be stressful. But the issue was not the job. The issue was Darian's heart. And by God's mercy, he chose to make me have me work at co-op because I had things to learn. What a blessing, even though you don't see it at the time. So through this learning God's truth, I go to work for the Lord, not for me and not for my boss, but it's actually I work for the Lord. Guess what? My mind changed, my heart changes, and I enter a time of blessing. There starts to become peace at, at work. As I relate to my boss, as I relate to my fellow employees, the cloud starts to lift. There's joy as I go to work. What a difference. And the people start to see it too. You don't necessarily think about it, but they start to see, hey, there's a change in this guy. To the point one day my boss calls me in and he says, Darian, we've really seen a change in you. You're work dif- working differently. And we'd like to give you a 12, I think the number was 12.79% raise, if I remember correctly. For those of us, we all know that if you get a 2%, a 3%, maybe a 5% raise, right? That's kind of a big deal. Here's this huge raise. Now, do we obey God's word so we get a raise? No. And because we, when we obey God's word, does that mean we'll always get a raise? No. But God was choosing to bless me. He was saying, Darian, you see this area? You're actually submitting to me. You're coming under my protection and there's actually a blessing. And here's a blessing. I'm going to give you a great raise. And going to work changed. There came joy. That actually, hey, I can get to know my customers that I deliver fuel to and, and all the ins and outs, how the truck works and relationship with my employees are much better, fellow employees and, and my boss. There's peace. When there used to be a cloud, what a difference. Amazing. Amazing, amazing. Thank you, Jesus. So I'd like to come back to my first point on worldly authority. Because I feel this is a point where, in our culture, we really have some wrong thinking. As I said, I worked for co-op delivering fuel, and there's all these. I've shared some of these little pivotal moments in my life where God really spoke and things changed. I used to drive from here to Winnipeg was kind of my area, so southwest of Landmark, some other area, there was this stop sign that drove me nuts because it was in the middle of the country where there's no people. And driving west on this country road, and when you're delivering fuel for co-op, it's hammer down time, right? It's like from every stop. You just go, right? Because you want to get the done, so you want to go home. So you're driving down this country road. It's harvest time. Go, go, go. And there's a stop sign where if you look to the left, all there is is a creek. And you look to the west, there's no house. You look to the north, there's house. You look back to the east, there's, no, there's nobody around. It's the middle of nowhere. Why in the world is there this stop sign here? And this was right around the time of, like, worldly authority. Romans 13 was starting to kind of be into my get into my mind and my heart and i'd see the stop sign this stop sign is stupid who put the stop sign here who thought this was a good idea so i would fly down these country roads 70 80 90 kilometers an hour to get to the next delivery and i would come up to the stop sign and i would slow down to 70 maybe 80 and i would do this and i'd I'd be careful i'd take a look and go through because i'm in a hurry and clearly god spoke as if he was sitting right beside me 
does that sign say stop? Or does it say stop unless you're in a hurry, in brackets? Does that stop sign, does that sign say stop? Or does it say stop unless it's inconvenient to you? The sign says stop, four letters, stop. And so I felt God speaking. I was like, oh, I've been convicted. I have wrong thinking. And for those of you here who do any type of delivery, you know it's, you got to go, you got to go. So from then on, I would get to that stop sign and I would stop every time. And it pains me to stop at that stop sign. This is so stupid. This is a waste of time. I get up to the stop sign, downshift, 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 stop. There's nobody here. Shocking. And then (laughs) accelerate again, back up to speed. But obedience isn't about if it makes you happy. Submitting to your boss when you agree with what he says, no, submit no matter what, because the sign says stop. Because Romans 13, because God put all authority there. Now we live in a great country. We live in an amazing country. I got up and shared a little bit on Canada today that morning, just how we need to pray for our leaders. But you know what? We have an amazing country that we live in. We could sit here for hours and talk about the tax breaks and the freedoms and all the blessings. Brent and I have four kids. We've gone to the hospital three times for delivery because obviously we have twins. Guess how much it costs us to have those four kids? The price of gas to drive to the hospital, the price of parking, and some snacks at the cafeteria. That's all it costs us to have these kids. That's amazing. And we should be thankful. We need to be thankful. But in the same breath, we live in a horrible, disgusting, sinful country. And I'm I'm a patriotic Canadian, but you know what? This country is horrible. It's terrible. And here's one example. Read this online, so it must be true. (laughs) There are about 31 abortions per 100 live births. Roughly 330,000 live births and 100,000 abortions each year. Did you hear that? Roughly 330,000 live births and 100,000 abortions. That's 30%. Half in hospitals, half in clinics. 100,000 kids per year murdered in this country. That's awful. That's disgusting. What are we going to do about it? Are you guys, what are we going to do about this? We've got to rise up. You know what? I think we should take out the government. I think we should, that, that premier we have, guy's a jerk, right? <laughs> Trudeau, maybe we should abort Trudeau. That's who should be aborted. Right? Are you guys with me? What are we going to do? Are we going to change things? Are you guys with me? This is how the world thinks, and it's penetrated everywhere. It's in the coffee shops, sitting in the break room at co-op, and this is not an indictment against co-op. This would be any break room. Oh, the mayor, can you believe what the mayor did? The premier, the councillors in the city with this SCU building. Oh, the councillors, we can get talking, different stuff. The Prime Minister, can you believe that? Oh, he's just there because of his dad, probably, right? And his nice hair. If I had hair like that, I'd be Prime Minister. (laughs) This is how we talk. This is how we think. And it's a disease. We can laugh, but it's a disease that's penetrated this country, and it needs to stop. Condemnation. The expression of very strong disapproval. Let's bring that up. This is the word condemnation. Do you see what happens when we sit there and do this in our country? We condemn our nation. God calls us as the people, his children, to do what? To curse our country? Is that our calling? Or to pray and bless our leaders? Is that our calling? 
The Bible says rebellion, and that's what that is. We're rebelling against God's word when we sit around and gossip and tear down our leaders. That's rebellion. The Bible says rebellion is as witchcraft. Raise your hand if you're a Christian here this morning and you want to partake willfully in witchcraft. I don't see any hands going up, but that's what we do. I know it's sobering, but it's the truth. So are we going to pray and bless? That's the question. Jeremiah 29, 7. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. We are in exile right now. We were in the garden and we've been taken out of the garden. We've been exiled. So we are in exile. We know this isn't our permanent home. Amen, right? We have another homecoming. But while we're here, while we're here in exile, pray to the Lord for it, being that city. Because if it prospers, you will prosper. Another translation says welfare. God calls us to pray for this country. If we pray for this country and this country has peace and things go well, we have peace and things go well for us. So I say this as an encouragement. Don't hear, notice there's something interesting. I'm standing here on the floor with you, speaking to you guys this morning. I'm not up there talking down to you guys. It's because I'm on the same level sharing these things with you. These are all things that we all struggle with together. I can also get just fired up, as fired up about these things. Oh, can you believe so-and-so? And we can, it spins and spins. And then I share, hey, Dave, can you believe what, uh, what Rob does with his church? You know, and we get off. We can do that, right? Talking about leaders and it spirals, right? And that's not a blessing. So we're going to have the worship team come up now. And I want us just to go back. We had this kind of this theme of we're in rebellion, but yet in the midst of that rebellion, this is the part that doesn't make human sense because this is not how you and I would do it if someone rebelled against us. But God shows amazing mercy to us in the midst of our rebellion. If we look back to Genesis 3.21, there's this little verse that we can easily skip over. And the Lord God made for Adam and his wife garments of skins and clothed them. And that verse jumps out. How do you make skins? What has to happen to have skins? An animal has to die. Something has to be sacrificed for them. So in the midst of that, God could have kicked them out. God could have said, I'm going to banish you to the North Pole, to Manitoba in January with no clothes, and you're dead. He could have said that, and he didn't. He made clothes for them. He had mercy. What does this verse point to? It points to the cross. Something, someone had to be sacrificed. In the midst of our rebellion, there's mercy. And so as the worship team starts to lead us, I felt there's an opportunity for a response this morning, if you feel led to. You can do this in your seat, but there's also something, uh, 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 an opportunity for us up front. We have the cross here. We have some pieces of paper, we have some pens, and we have some little pens. And here's an opportunity. Sometimes a physical demonstration of something is very powerful. If you feel God speaking to you this morning, that there's an area of life, your life where you have not submitted to God and something's out of whack and you're in rebellion and you want to repent this morning, there's an opportunity to come forward. You can write that down, fold it up, and pin it to the cross and give it to Jesus this morning. We can give these sins and these things to Jesus because we realize we're in rebellion, but there's a blessing when we come to give it to Jesus. And you can do this at your seat. There's nothing magical coming forward, but there is something powerful sometimes about a physical demonstration. And this is safe. These won't be read later. We're not going to scour through. Oh, did you see? No. 
It just gets thrown in the garbage, but it's just a physical act. So as Greg and the team leads us this morning, let's just pray. I'll pray right now. Jesus, thank you for this morning. Thank you that we have a freedom to come and worship you in this country. Would you bless this country and bless the leaders? Would you speak to us about these areas and many other areas? Help us to submit to your authority because it's your will and there's such a blessing in that. If you're calling us to come forward this morning or to give you something this morning, Lord, would you speak to us? Help us to respond in Jesus' name. Amen.